Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Lynn Clark is on the cusp of history. Amber and Ian is presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're going to make things even easier. We'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so that you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. It is Jonathan Zaslow in tonight. For Ian Fitzsimmons, yeah. taking out with me. How's Thank it you, going, Zazzle. Amber? Good to be here tonight. Uh, at Zaslow Show is how you find him. At Amber W Sports is how you find me, Amber Wilson. The NBA Rising Stars will be on ESPN Radio Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, kicking off all of our All-Star Weekend action. We got the NBA All-Star Saturday night game on Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern. And then the 2023 NBA All-Star Game Sunday Coverage will begin here at 7 p.m. Eastern. So stay tuned all weekend. Action-packed weekend in the NBA. East versus West again, Amber. East versus West. We're going back to old school. Old school. It's like Biggie and Tupac, but basketball. I was about to say, it reminds me of Biggie and Tupac. (laughs) You know me. I'm I'm a Tupac girl through and through and through, even though I've never lived anywhere but the East Coast. I digress. There is history being made tonight in college basketball, so we'll have to wait on all the NBA All-Star talk. Caitlin Clark has taken college basketball by storm. The Iowa basketball superstar is on the cusp of breaking the NCAA all-time women's scoring record. She only needs eight points to do it. Seven points tonight will tie it. Eight points will break the record. And it's kind of inconceivable to imagine she's not going to have at least eight points tonight. She put up, what, 31 against Nebraska and a loss to Nebraska. So that's Caitlin Clark's MO. That's what she's going to get done. And she doesn't want anybody stopping anything when she gets it done, Saslow. This Caitlin Clark, super humble. So her coach was originally going to take a timeout when she broke the record. And Caitlin Clark said, we can't be wasting timeouts. That's ridiculous. We need <laughs> to win games. She does not want them to stop the game Unless there's a natural stoppage. She does not want any sort of unnatural stoppage of the game to celebrate the biggest accomplishment in NCAA women's history. You know what, though? Good for her. Because we we do see this all the time. We'll see it in baseball. We'll see it in basketball. And we're right smack in the middle of the game. And they stop the game and you have like a whole ceremony. It's a playing a game here. It's, we we got to keep this thing moving a little bit, you know? You want to make some type of acknowledgement, that's obviously very appropriate. But Caitlin Clark is telling them there, don't, don't call timeouts. And you know what? I'm with it because she only needs eight points. And it's like, we all know she's getting eight points. It'll probably happen in the first half. It's, it's a foregone conclusion. There's still plenty of season left to be played also. Good for her. She'll answer questions post-game about it when it happens. I'm here for something in between. I don't mind the idea of stopping the game with a timeout or for a moment in order to give the crowd the opportunity to realize this is the moment. Like, that was it. Oh, but they all, everyone there is going to know. They'll know because it's only eight points. So it'll be easy. Every point she scores tonight. I got two hands. I got ten fingers. I can keep track of it on my own out there. Everyone will know. Even I can count that high, uh, which is impressive because I can't 
do much in terms of math, but even I can do that. So you're right. The crowd will know, but what I'm not here for, I don't mind a quick stoppage though, a standing ovation, you know, that kind of thing. We don't need to have like a, a, a mid-court ceremony for it in the middle of the game. My so guess is, my guess is she'll get the eight points and then at the next whistle, there'll be a 30 second stoppage. You know, they'll clap. Everyone will stand up. PA announcer will, will address the crowd They'll flash something on the scoreboard. She'll do a couple waves. Keep it moving. Yeah. Caitlin Clark, the Iowa guard, was asked if she's anxious about breaking the record tonight. I think I'm excited. You know, it's going to be a very special night. Uh, I got a lot of family coming, so that, that'll be a lot of fun. But I think my main focus is just honestly going out there and having having a blast with my teammates and enjoying it. Obviously, we need to come out and perform really well. I think today's practice is really important. But I think for me, like, I'm not anxious about it really at all. I'm, I'm just very excited. Um, it's going to be a special night. You know, honestly, we haven't really talked a lot about it as a team or me and Coach Bluter. Like, we never really talked about the record and what's going to happen. It's just go out there and play basketball and have fun. And this is kind of of what comes along with it. Caitlin Clark is now the face of basketball, of college basketball, period. Not women's basketball in college. She is the face to me of oh, collegiate right. basketball yeah, full right. stop. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and there's no men's player that's half as famous. Half as famous, I think, right now is Caitlin Well, you Clark. know what? This, this is a great example. Because I think you're right. This is a great example of what I think is a major problem for men's college basketball and has really been a major problem for men's college basketball for a long time. You know, I don't want to sound like old man yelling at the clouds, but mm-hmm. when I was when but I was growing on. up, uh, all right, when I was growing up, these kids stayed in school three and four years. And I'm not even talking from an NBA perspective where you get to the NBA and you're ready to play and help a team immediately because you went through all the growing pains in college, which is where it should happen. But you learned who these players were because they're there for three and four years. The whole country knew everything about Christian Leitner because they're there three and four years and you develop these rivalries and you know a handful of players on all the big schools, on all the Blue Blood programs, because these kids stick around for three. And Amber, Tim Duncan was at Wake Forest for four years before being the number one overall pick in the draft. And Caitlin Clark is in her fourth year. So now I know she's been like a sensation the last couple of years where everyone's really been paying attention to her, but four years. So she is the face of college basketball, not women's college basketball, because if you stop anyone who has even at least a a little clue about college basketball, they know who Caitlin Clark is. But if you say, hey, who, who are the top players on the men's side? They may have trouble naming you some dudes. Now, I'm much, much younger than you. Like, much yeah, that's younger not, than that's, you. Yeah, that's just not true. It's like a whole two years, I think, right? A year and wow. a half, whatever it is. So I'm, I'm much younger than you, so I don't tend to scream at clouds. I don't have as much of an issue with the one-and-done era, however, which is what you're really alluding to. However, it's interesting because you're right. From that perspective, you just don't get an opportunity as a fan to develop the emotional connections or the familiarity because these guys are gone. And with the G league doesn't help that because it gives them frankly, even more opportunities out there. But what does actually help combat that I think is NIL. And if it was just NIL, then it would completely combat it because now you can make so much money in college. If you were to stay and rise at star power and actually hone in on your skills at that level, you could still be and get paid handsomely while doing it. So theoretically, it should keep you in college longer. The problem is... I think it's more a women's thing. 
Well, the problem is the era of NIL is also the transfer portal era. And I actually think that's the bigger problem here with collegiate sports generally across the board. But but with college basketball, it's applicable as well because you do have these guys that end up changing schools just like you do in football. And then, of course, the other guys are, you know, one and dones, and now you can go play overseas or you can go make money in the G League and you've got a lot of opportunities as well out there. So although I thought NIL would combat it, I feel like there's so many other factors now that it's not combating it in the way that I thought maybe NIL would. I feel like the NIL can keep the women's college basketball player in school longer and forego going to the WNBA right now. I don't think that's so much a thing that the men's college basketball would decide to, player would decide to do because even on a rookie contract, anywhere you're selected in the NBA, you're going to make a significant amount of money when in college, yeah, that NIL may very well pay more than a, a, even a top WNBA contract. Right. So I, I think it's more a women's college basketball thing than it is a men's. Oh, I think it's fair to assume Caitlin Clark is making more in NIL money than totally. she would make in the totally. WNBA. So yes. there's no rush if you're one of these famous female collegiate basketball players. Absolutely. Uh, because of the disparity there, obviously, between pay the WNBA and the NBA. Kelsey Plum is right now uh, the leader of the NCAA Women's Division One scoring record holder, the Las Vegas Aces star. So I, I imagine she will be seeing her scoring record beaten tonight. She said she's happy Caitlin about it. Clark. She she said she it was not a funny experience for her when she was really? breaking that record yeah she didn't like it like it just pressure Why? she she didn't like I guess the attention and the pressure that came with it. it she's like excited for Caitlin Clark to get this record well there you go well that's cool that's a very cool attitude because I always wonder if you're annoyed that somebody is breaking your record and breaking it soon right where you're seeing it not many years later coming up next here on Amber and Ian, are the Lakers finding their identity late in the season for the second year in a row? We're going to get into that next. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S A V E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. According to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski and Ramona Shelburne, Golden State made a bid for LeBron James at last week's NBA trade deadline, but neither LA nor James were ultimately willing to explore it. We have to wonder how happy LeBron James is with Lakers management. And by Lakers management, I'm thinking Palenka more than Jeannie Buss. For them to actually get down the road to the point where they're actually discussing it, that means that there was a real possibility that this could happen if they would get all parties involved and primarily LeBron James to sign off on it. Apparently, it could have happened. It did not happen. LeBron is not a member of the Golden State Warriors, but we've sure been talking about it. (laughs) 
a lot since amazing. we got the story. It's like the the story. It's the most we've ever talked about something that didn't actually end up happening. Zazlo, Zazlo filling in tonight for Ian Fitzsimmons here on Amber and Ian. Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst, is kind enough to give us some of his time. Legs, what did you make of that whole situation? Because it's getting so much attention. It's the breaking news that wasn't actually news because nothing actually happened here except for a conversation amongst the Golden State Warriors, the Lakers, and LeBron's camp. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, this is one of those things. And LeBron is kind of famous for this. I think he intentionally creates these situations to make you want to wonder what he's thinking, right? And, and obviously, if he changes teams, it's a huge seismic shift in the league. Um, so, And he knows he's got that kind of power. So when he wears a Knicks towel around his neck in Madison Square Garden, when he, you know, puts an emoji out there with an hourglass, like time is ticking, um, you know, some sort of cryptic message, I guess, regarding his uh, – his player option for the summer and, and, you know, and whatever that means for what the Lakers are or are not doing to help him. Yeah. I think it's LeBron creates it. And at the end of the day, it doesn't sound like there was a whole lot there. Like it was shut down from the beginning. Is that something LeBron ever even really considered? And which doesn't surprise me. I think LeBron um, kind of forced his way to LA. This is where he wanted to be the market. He wanted to be in the organization he wanted to play for. I'm not saying he'll never play another game for another team, but I'm just not sure that he's right there yet in that mindset. And I also think, by the way, you haven't heard the last of the Lakers this year. I mean, I think that they're a team that just doesn't care much about the regular season. It's the way they're built, and you're starting to see now they're playing a little bit better as, we, as we're getting closer to the All-Star break. And I think you're going to see now more of a push for them in the second half to try to gain some relevance in the West and make you think that they might be able to have uh, something similar in them that they had last year when they went to the conference finals. So so with the Lakers, Tim, having won six of seven and – you know, Anthony Davis did say after the game last night, they're, they're finding their identity. This is who they are. It sounds like you believe maybe they're going to regret not having made a move at the deadline. Yeah, look, I think that they wanted to make a move. The bottom line is they don't have the assets to acquire anything of value for them that made sense to them. And that's the bottom line. Uh, I, don't, I just don't think people look up and down their roster and think that there's pieces there that they're looking to acquire. Um, I think the Lakers would have liked to have done something. I mean, most of the top teams in this league, teams that are, I guess, on a either contender list, if you, if you want to put them on that, or just at least certainly, you know, top top half of the playoff picture teams, added pieces for the most part. Most of those teams added something, even if it was just a minor role player. Lakers really didn't do anything. Um, and I think, it, it, yeah, they would have liked to, but I also think it does speak to the fact that they believe internally that they probably have enough to, like, compete and certainly – throw a scare into somebody in the playoffs if they get him in the best of seven series. And with LeBron James and Anthony Davis on your roster, I think that that is possible, particularly if you get a team like, you know, Oklahoma City or Minnesota, like very inexperienced playoff teams, and you got to end up with the Lakers or something like that in the first round. I think that's, you know, that could be a challenge. And I think the Lakers kind of know that. They're still dangerous as long as they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis healthy. Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst, joining us here on Amber and Ian with Zaslow filling in for Ian tonight. Uh, Tim, uh, a young Tim Legler back in 1996 won the three-point contest. Here we are, NBA All-Star Weekend. So what does it take, Tim, uh, to win a three-point contest? Well, listen, first, you're still talking to a young Tim Legler. What are you talking about now? Come on. (laughs) Correct. You're right. Absolutely. I stand corrected. (laughs) Well, (laughs) listen, you know, that was that was obviously, um, you know, a big moment for me. I, you know, I, I had gone a different route, undrafted player. I did kind of fight my way through Europe and in the CBA and, and then, you know, bounced around some 10-day contracts and then finally found footing 
in Dallas and Golden State. I was in Washington at the time. At that time, I you know I knew I had arrived as a shooter, as a player in the league, and I was having you know to that point, I think I was shooting fifty seven percent on the season coming into that weekend. And I wanted to go in there and prove, man. When you're when you're a shooter, you want to go in there. And you want to prove to everybody, like, hey, you got the best shooters in the world tonight. Having a competition, I believe I can win it. And that's the mindset you have to have. But then I think the actual mechanics of the competition are they do require you to, I think, put a little thought into it in terms of practice because it's different rhythm. You can't really stay with your shot as long as you normally do in a game when you're watching that thing all the way to the rim. And basically the ball's about halfway to three-quarters of the way to the rim, and you're reaching for another basketball. It gets counterintuitive to what shooters do when they see their shot to the finish. You're not allowed to really do that in the competition because if you do it, you're not going to be able to get through all five racks. So that's probably my number one bit of advice I have for any shooters over the years is you know, make sure you test this thing out with some racks because it's definitely different, and you're going to find out that time ticks pretty quickly if you're staying with each shot too long. You also can't jump too high on each shot. You're going to either get gassed or you're just not going to have enough time to get them all off. It's got to be a little bit more short, compact stroke. Now, now Tim, you know, the, the contest is a little bit different now than it was back then where you, you, you have a whole rack of money yeah. balls now that you could place wherever you want. So where would Tim Legler have put the rack with five money balls? Which station would you have put them? And do you remember who you were up against in the finals that year? Of course I do, yeah. Um, the finals, I was against Dennis Scott the year I won it. And then the next year, I went back to defend my title. It was actually an interesting thing because at the end of the season, I won it in 96. Like the 80th game or 81st game, one of those, I, I tore three ligaments in my knee. I tore my ACL, PCL, MCL, one major injury. I didn't play a game the first half of the season all the way through All-Star break. I got cleared to play All-Star weekend the following season, 1997, and I was the defending champ. So it, I had just gotten cleared on Friday. The competition was on Saturday night, and I hadn't played the game yet for Washington. They're like, you want to go defend your title? And I'm like, obviously, yeah, I'll be going. I, I end up losing in the finals the second year to Steve Kerr. Um, but here's the thing about the money ball. It's interesting. So, yeah, it was different. Like, I had one money ball in each rack. So there's five of them in each round, and I went three rounds. I had 15 money balls, and that actually is really what helped me win the competition. I was 13 for 15 on those money balls in that competition that year in 96. Different now because you got five of them on one rack. Pick your favorite spot. There's no question for me that would be the right wing. That was um, where I spent a lot of time as a player because back, back when I played, a lot of guys were posting up on the left block. And, we, and it was a post-up league. We had Chris Weber, Jawan Howard. We had Rasheed Wallace, George Murasai. The ball was going into the post. And then you knew a double team was going to be coming probably from the top which meant the ball would come out of the double team to the top and then be one rotation, and then that next pass to the right wing would be the shot. And that's where they positioned me, hoping to get shots. So that was definitely my favorite spot. And uh, if I had a chance to line up five money balls on any one rack, that's where I would put them. Like a young, a young Tim Legler joining us here on Amber still and yeah. still, still very young, <laughs> a go. very young um, Tim Legler. Uh, Tim, we're up against the clock here. We only have about a minute left, but since we're talking three point contest, I had to ask you about Steph and Sabrina and Eskew. So we are going to get a three point shootout between those two. What do you think of this WNBA NBA crossover that we're about to see? Yeah, I think it's awesome. I'm glad. You know, I think it's just different. It's just creating interest, you know, and, and, and Sabrina obviously has done some pretty cool things in that competition herself. So it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch. 
I've been getting asked a lot about, you know, who you got, who you got. And I'm just saying, you know, for me, it has nothing to do with gender or anything else. I just know this. I've never seen anybody on the planet ever shoot a basketball as effectively as Steph Curry. So it's hard for me to bet against him in any shooting competition. It's actually hard to believe he's only won it twice. I don't know how many times he's been in the actual three-point shootout, but he's got, he's got two, and you think, this is the greatest shooter that ever lived. You know, why doesn't he have more? But he goes to show you, on a given night, it's whoever feels it, man. Whoever gets hot, gets that rhythm, and gets it going. And so I'm interested to see, you know, if Sabrina can give him a run for his money. I'm pretty sure she's gonna she's gonna do that. But at the end of the day, I'd have to go with my man Steph if I'm gonna pick a winner. She did break his record, but we'll see what happens here. They're going to be shooting from the NBA line, not the WNBA line, although I think she'll have the WNBA ball. It should be a lot of fun to watch. Tim Legler, a young Tim Legler, ESPN <laughs> NBA right. analyst. Thanks, Legs. Thanks, Tim. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. I've, I love that three-point shootout. Good. It's so good every year. Like like, like the dunk contest, people go, oh, every dunk's been done. Dunk contest. Three-point shootout is always good. I love the three-point shootout. Yeah, the three-point shoot. The dunk contest is going to be cool, too. I mean, you actually have Brown in it this season. Like, you actually have players now, I feel like, in the dunk contest who want to be in it. Jame Hawkes. That's my guy. That's he my representation guy. in the dunk contest this year as well. So That's we have my something guy. to watch as Heat fans. I'm just saying. And then I think we're all going to be tuned in to see what happens between Steph and Sabrina, even though I'm a little nervous. A little nervous as a woman. A little nervous. I feel like oh, so you're like Sabrina legit to... rooting hard for Sabrina Inescu there. I, I, I feel like she needs to somehow win it now for like all of women. She's representing which feels all like way women. way too much pressure. <laughs> like a little bit of pressure. All women yeah. to defeat misogyny. For the entire race of females. Yeah. No pressure. Do it for half of the entire population of the world. Just over half. Because, you know, we run the you know, we run the world. I hope Beyonce doesn't. That'll have be that determined trademark. Saturday. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian Zaslo filling in. What star is coming to LA to join LeBron on the Lakers? That is next on ESPN Radio. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kendrick Perkins was up to saying perk-like things again. Remember? We were going to come up with a segment that was crazy things Perk says. Yeah, Perk says crazy things. Yes. That's that's an award-winning segment, potentially. James, we need to get this imaging together. We need to figure out how to title this thing. If you have suggestions, at Zaslow Show, that's where you find Jonathan Zaslow filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight here on Amber and Ian, presented by Progressive Insurance. At Amber W Sports is how you find me, Amber Wilson. Give us name suggestions because we need them for a perk segment. I need to have some sort of like imaging that I can throw to whenever... 
Kendrick Perkins says the thing because yeah. he's saying the thing a lot lately. And he did it again today on the Pat McAfee show. Now, he said the thing without saying the thing. He was very cryptic about what's happening here with Los Angeles. But he very strongly implied that there is some superstar in the works on his way to the Lakers in the offseason. Let's listen to Perk today on the McAfee show. The Lakers need to stand pat, get through this season, have a run, because another superstar is on the way this summer. Now, I can't reveal who that superstar okay. is because I'm not Adam Scheffler or Adrian Wojn- <laughs> Wojnarowski. Yeah. That's not my job. And they trust me not to add this you know, information out on who this player is going to be. But... If the Lakers just stand pat, they have another superstar on the way this offseason. Then we can revisit this conversation next year. There's so much that happened right there. Uh, There's a lot, uh, including Pat saying nailed it when he said Woj's full name. Uh, There's a lot. But what he's really telling us is that he seems to know something. And what he apparently knows is some superstar that if the Lakers just don't do anything will make his way to... Los Angeles, which is interesting because, of course, we got the word that the Warriors were trying to convince LeBron to go up there, and he said no. He hasn't yet signed his extension there in L.A. Zaslow, though, so there's a question if LeBron's even going to be there to stand well, pat. Well, he, he, first of all, I, I think there's a very real chance that LeBron leaves L.A. I do. I'm probably in the minority on that, but I, I, I'm, I'm essentially taking LeBron at face value when he said that he wants to play with his son. So if there's a team out there that decides to draft Bronny James, I'm I'm taking LeBron's words, you know, at face value that he would be interested in going and playing there. So I, I, I do think that there is a very real chance of him leaving L.A. But here's the thing. As far as trying to figure out what player Kendrick Perkins is talking about here, it's so difficult because you can't even go and look up the list of free agents because there's free agency is – all the time in the NBA. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're actually a free agent. If you're under contract, you're still a free agent because we see how this works. You can maneuver your way to a team even if you have multiple years left under contract. So it's not even like we could try and crack this code that Kendrick Perkins has put in front of us by looking at the list of 2024 free agents because every player is a free agent all the time. So we're really, we really have to survey the lands, the entire landscape of the NBA, and try and pick out a player. Like, is there, is there one player in particular that comes to your mind when he says that? Well, so the only way that we could do this is looking for a player who, first of all, is in a position where they need to leave the team that they are currently on in order to win a championship, right? I mean, that's step number one, is that you have to have a reason to want to leave and to and team up with LeBron in L.A. And you're right, you can force your way out, even if you're under contract. But step number two is if it's somebody who's forcing his way out, the numbers have to work. I don't know if Kendrick Perkins would be that confident if it was a question mark. Like, the way he's saying it doesn't make it sound like it's somebody, you know, Joel Embiid, would he want to force his way out of Philadelphia after this season if he can't come off of the injury 
and contribute again, right? Uh, Daryl Morey totally did call the Lakers, things? right? It was in that story yesterday. Morey called the Lakers. Right. Or does injury totally change things there? I would imagine, frankly, the injury changes things there. But is there that, right? Is there a component like that? It doesn't sound like that because one of those situations, it wasn't like Kendrick Perkins was like, this is a wait and see. Maybe somebody's on their way. Kendrick Perkins was like, this man is no, on his knew. way. Yeah, right? He like knew. He knew. Yeah, he so knew. that's why it almost sounds like it's somebody who's actually a free agent or somebody who's under some sort of contract that they can force their way out. And the Lakers can definitely afford it, which is no easy task right now. And that all depends if LeBron opts in or out. But I'm one who think I know a lot of people think that he's going to opt in and stay there. I think he's going to opt out and stay there. That's what I think is going to happen. I feel like he's going to opt out and then work things out with them. So he ends up still getting his money overall, but sign a longer-term extension with them so the numbers work to try to bring in somebody else. I think it's completely feasible that there is somebody that gets brought to L.A. and that he stays there, but figuring that out, and then Kendrick being so confident that he knows who it is already with all of those moving parts, that's what surprises me. It is weird now, right, where it's it's backwards. If LeBron is going to stay in L.A. next year, he will opt out of the contract. If he's going to leave L.A. next year, right. he will opt in, and then they will trade him. It's, it's backwards the way it works now. I, I have one guy who I have to believe Kendrick Perkins is referring to because, again, it, it, make, it doesn't even make sense to look at who the free agent class is because everybody's a free agent all the time in that league, and – if you're if you're a good team or at least a, a halfway decent team like the Lakers, it's not like you have salary cap space. It's not like you would be able to sign a player into salary cap space anyway if they were a free agent. So right. it, you don't even have free agency. It doesn't even exist in that league. I got one guy. Do you have Do you have a guy? Because I have one guy who he has to be talking about. I'm still thinking about a guy. I'm still thinking about a guy. I mean, it could be. By the way, the guy could be Curry, right? <laughs> Well, because we did just hear that they wanted to team up or Draymond. Could Draymond be that guy? Is Draymond still that superstar that that perk? Is he still at his height of his game enough? That no, perk would be like everyone sit pat. Draymond no. is on the way. So a ring is coming. I don't feel no. like he is. Actually. No, but but if Kendrick Perkins were referring to him, which he's not, but it, but I think Kendrick Perkins would still refer to him as a superstar. He's not. But I think Kendrick Perkins would still call him. A superstar because that I mean has serious he's name. He's a superstar. He's a superstar. He is a superstar in terms of star power, but he's not the answer to the Lakers' problem. I also, think. And this makes it sound like whoever this person is is the answer. Also, what was it? It was only a few weeks ago that Kendrick. Again, this is a segment called Perks says crazy stuff. It was a few weeks ago. We're on the NBA today. Kendrick Perkins did say that Steph Curry needs to ask for a trade out of Golden State. Yes, he did say that. He did. That was that was one of our other Kendrick Perkins's crazy stuff segment. All right, so my, oh, who's go ahead, your James, guy? I'm sorry, go do ahead, you, James. Do you do you think he's talking about a trade or like yeah, a free agent? Be. Yeah, no, no. There's no such thing as signing players in free agency anymore. Big time players, teams don't have the cap space to sign the big guys anymore. He, he's talking about a trade. He has to. Be. I mean, it could be somebody who's coming up for free agency who has an opt out, but then they end up hop, hopping in to try to facilitate a trade. It could be that sort of situation. So the player has all the power, which would explain why Perk feels he's so confident that this can actually happen. Because if it's somebody who's under contract for years to come, then there's no way Perk could sound so confident. Who is your guy, Zaslow? It's Kyrie Irving. It has to be. 
It has no. to be. It's Kyrie yeah. Irving because he had all those rumors. You yeah. know he wants to be there. Uh, the, the Mavericks are, you know, they're on the outside of the playoff picture. They're clearly not this contender that they probably hoped that they would be. And we know that Kyrie wants to be in L.A. I think it's Kyrie Irving. I think it has to be Kyrie Irving. And and it's not even – I hope that – it's probably a letdown for people who are listening right now yes, because I think it's I think actually so. a really easy answer. But I think that's the obvious answer. He's talking about Kyrie Irving. He does have a player option, but after next season, he yeah, has that a doesn't matter. option. It's got to so be a trade. He is under contract to next season. Well, it does matter in terms of will the Mavericks be willing to trade him and would the Lakers be willing to give up what they need to give up to get Kyrie Irving? I think the answer to that would be yes if the Mavericks don't end up being able to do anything this season. I I don't know if Dallas needs to hang on to Kyrie either. Like I could see a world where Dallas is also thinking, okay, this iteration of the Mavericks, like this ain't the answer for Luka. We're going to go ahead and move Kyrie somewhere and and get back what we can. So I could see that being the answer. That's a boring answer if that's the answer. I agree. Uh, it's 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 something we've all heard for a couple of years now, but that's the only guy I can come up with. Does Kyrie, AD, and LeBron, a forty-year-old LeBron, because that's what he'll be next season? Does a Kyrie, AD, and a forty-year-old LeBron win a title? No, I still don't think so. No, no, no. So, <sighs> but that's not what Kendrick Perkins was saying. Kendrick Perkins wasn't saying that I, I know a guy who's going to be in L.A. next year and they're going to win a title. That's not what he was saying. He's just saying well, he there's going to be a star tight. player. Yeah. He was basically saying sit tight, though. Like, help yeah. is on the way. Sit tight. The answer is coming. Yeah. And to me, the answer to the question can't be Kyrie Irving. No offense, Kyrie, although I just said something highly offensive. Whenever you say no offense, it's always something that is offensive. Don't try and cover always. that up. Everybody <laughs> always. knows that. I just took a flamethrower to Kyrie and then told him not to be offended. All right, be offended, Kyrie. I don't think you're winning a title if you team up with LeBron and AD. I I just, I guess I don't think that's enough. Maybe also it's not as exciting to me because we have been hearing about it for years. We've all known it's a possibility. Maybe that's why Perk didn't say it because it's like, it'll be so much more salacious if I leave it completely ambiguous. Perk says crazy things. It's a good segment. It's a good segment. Good segment idea. At Zaslow Show, at Amber W Sports, if you have nominations for how to name uh, that segment. Could there be anybody? Else? I mean, I want it to be somebody juicy, you know, know. like somebody huge. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm just on spot track. Just looking at, looking at um, free agents in 2025. Uh, right. and so you're talking the next summer, correct, not this summer. The next okay. one, because we're trading, and it's someone who's yep. nearing the end of a deal and has a player option. Yep. about Jason Tatum? Ooh. Yeah, yeah, but, but why, why would, why would Perk that? Why would Perk be so confident that that's happening? What like what and would make would it think Jason that? Why would Jason Tatum really want that to happen maybe, maybe, right now? I mean, maybe, maybe you know, I don't know. Is he is he is he happy in Boston? Is he's it was a uh, big Kobe guy coming and playing for the Lakers? Maybe I don't know. I'm just he's saying, the I'm man in Boston. We're speculating. He's the man. It, it, Jason Tatum is is unequivocally the man on a number one ranked Boston Celtics team. And if you go to Los Angeles, you ain't the man any longer. Jason. I would also tell you. I would also tell you there is no scenario where the Celtics right. and the Lakers, the do biggest business. rivalry in the history of the NBA, <laughs> yeah. do big point. time business. No scenario. Yeah, zero chance. Zero chance. What about, uh, next what about Jimmy Butler? Well, uh, now you're just being a crazy you? person, all right? How dare you? This segment you? isn't James Let's Get Crazy. 
That's not the name of the Is segment. It? <laughs> it's, it it's Perk Let's Get Crazy, not James Let's Get Crazy. You're crazy things? I'm not James crazy. We're trying we're to anger Amber and Zaslow by tearing apart the Miami Heat. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian. People just can't stop talking about the 49ers being unaware of the playoff rules in the Super Bowl. And by people, apparently, I mean us, because we're going to do just that. That is next on ESPN Radio. Can't shut up about the 49ers seemingly not knowing the overtime rules in a Super Bowl. And we're still not going to shut up about it because there was more reaction to it today. Jonathan Zaslow filling in for Ian tonight here on Amber and Ian. Spags was on the Pat McAfee show. And even more than that, we're going to get to Steve Spagnola in a mo- moment on his appearance on the McAfee show. Even more than that, we also got the sound from NFL Films, Zaslow. And I don't know if you've seen any of the sounds in any of the video, but it's pretty remarkable from Super Bowl 58 because NFL Films was able to pick up a bunch of audio about this overtime rule in real time. So you're seeing players react. You see the Chiefs players react to the fact that the 49ers elected to take the ball first, which already tells you what a terrible decision it was because Travis Kelsey is on the sidelines and he's like, they're taking the ball first. They're taking the ball. He's explained, this is what we wanted. We wanted them to take the ball for, they could have it if they want the ball. Can I ask you something? Like what if after the game, what if Kyle Shanahan's, reasoning was our defense was just on the field for the last you know six seven minutes Mahomes carved them up they're tired what would your reaction have been that was one of his reasons in fact no no, not after the the game though yeah a couple days later they said right he didn't say that after the game though he did not say that immediately after the game immediately he said this is what we were going to do this is what the analytics we wanted the ball always our decision we always wanted the ball third right we always wanted the ball third in a sudden death scenario which i thought at the time i mean the announcers at the time were saying well you want to defer and i was thinking but why do you want to defer necessarily because then it's sudden death and then you're in a sudden death scenario where you're going to die because you don't have the ball first, right? So I thought there was an argument to be made there. And then also, of course, the defense argument as well. I think those are viable arguments. I don't agree with the decision. Obviously, the decision doesn't end right. up working out. So we know the result now. So we're all going to... But this idea, like, you know, Canty and some others have been all over our airways, like, oh, it's insane. Like, it, it was like there was no reason I don't think it's to insane. make that decision. And it's I don't not. Think it's there insane. was I, reasons. I don't agree with out. it. I don't agree right. with it, but I don't think it was insane. Um, right. For me, the biggest reason to not take the ball first is uh, I want four downs. That Not because it gives me an opportunity to go for a two-point conversion and end it. Uh, it it's because – or just get a touchdown and the game ends depending if they get a field goal. I want four downs. I want to know what I need because I have the ball second and they're operating in three downs and then let's kick a field goal territory when now that I have the ball second – I get four downs if I choose. And there is a major difference between operating with four downs and operating with three downs. Major and, difference. And you don't want Mahomes to have four downs, James. But Kyle Shanahan said that they wanted the third possession, though. Yeah. And right. shouldn't he know that they're not going to get that? Like, no, even if they score because a touchdown. Because they're playing the Chiefs. Oh, no, you mean because no, no. they would have gone for because, two? Yeah, because don't, isn't that, know that. Shouldn't you be. Like, is, where did that come into his brain whenever he was trying to make the decision to do that? Like, why would why would the Chiefs give them the ball back? Well, what what if what if the Niners start out got a field goal and they held the Chiefs to a field goal? Then it is the scenario that he wants. You know, they they just have they get the ball back sudden death now. 
you still get that sudden death scenario if you hold him to a field goal. The part to me, though, Amber, where I, I think Shanahan's reasoning was flawed there was if you if you want the ball third because you're so confident that Mahomes is going to score that you want to make sure you get the ball back for a sudden death scenario, if you're so confident Mahomes is going to score, you can't kick a field goal on your first possession. Right. Well, you have that, to go for fourth down and you have to get a touchdown. A lot of people are being critical of that then. Then you didn't call it. You didn't call the drive Correct. like you would have expected Correct. for somebody then that felt so confident that he would need the ball in a third position yeah. possession. So I do understand that logic. Also, though, I mean... Pat, Patrick Mahomes wasn't exactly getting touchdowns all over the place in regulation. He wasn't. They had one, right? And everything else was field goals. I mean, he wasn't getting six, seven points easily throughout yeah, that but, entire game. He was settling for threes. And yeah. so if you're Kyle Shanahan, it stands to reason that you feel like your defense could hold them to three because, in fact, you've seen your defense do that if you gave them a little rest. Again, I don't agree with the decision. And obviously, hindsight twenty twenty, none of us can argue that it was the right decision now because we saw it actually play out. But there were reasons that the decision was made. What I cannot agree with is all the evidence, though, of the team not knowing, the players not knowing the rules. So the other thing that the NFL film showed was, like, Kyle Juszczyk. You actually have sound from him there in the moment. I mean, this guy was nonstop talking after the game about how nobody knew about overtime. I mean, can you put a lid on it? You're making everybody look so bad. But it wouldn't have mattered because he was it, uh, the mics were there during the game. And as they're going into overtime, he is telling other players, apparently they get the ball back even if we score a touchdown. Apparently they get an opportunity now. So he's actually saying it, like, like telling players as they're going into overtime because they're all shocked. None of them are aware that the rule has changed, which but is then, pretty amazing sound and video. But then that's a strategy problem he's referencing there. Not a problem with them not having known the exact rule. That's a strategy issue then. Well, it's all of it. Well, the, well no, the I don't part, think it's all of it. The, because part where, be- the part where he doesn't know that they can score a touchdown and the Chiefs still get an opportunity to have the ball isn't a strategy thing. That's just not knowing the rule, period. And then right, the but how does that part, affect... The strategy but, part comes with whether they should get the ball first or not. Like, they right. don't know any of it. It's, it. It looks really bad, I think. I mean, it looks like a team that wasn't prepared is the problem. And, and maybe Kyle Shanahan and his staff knew, but the players certainly did not know. And why it looks bad is because of now how prepared the Chiefs apparently were for I mean, Cole Hardman didn't even know, though. He caught the touchdown and he didn't know. That's what I said. I said, Cole Hardman sure as heck didn't look like he knew when didn't he scored him. the game-winning touchdown. Nevertheless, he wasn't there it in the preseason. seems... It seems but that's right. That is true. That is yeah, true. Yeah, but James, but James, it doesn't matter because Spags said today on the McAfee <laughs> show that they'd been practicing it for every that they'd gone over it before every single postseason uh, game. Nicole was there for those. That. Here's Spagnola. Let's listen to the sound from the McAfee show on the overtime rules. It wasn't like, hey, we can give them a field goal and we're okay. We don't want to give them anything. Our team, our defense, our players all know what we have on our offensive side of the ball. We know who we turn it over to. It was vital that we didn't let them score a touchdown. Didn't want them to even kick a field goal. But with three points and Patrick going out there, we at least had the confidence that we might get another shot to go out, right? If we kick a field goal and we tie, we get to go back out defensively. So that was his logic. I mean, they were obviously prepared in, t- in terms of a game plan, but he did also say those other things about the preparation. It just all looks bad. It feels like a lot of piling on the Niners, frankly. Uh, so does. much piling on. I-, I think you're totally right about that. It seems like this is the narrative, and let's just keep playing it up that we're this super smart, prepared team, and they're stupid, and they don't prepare well. When for me, 
it's such a non-story. You go out there in overtime, you try and score a touchdown if you're on offense. You go out there in overtime, you try and stop the other team if you're the defense. The only person who needs to actually know the strategy is the head coach. It. Well, and a lot of people are critical about the strategy that he implemented. It does. Well, I get that. Any way you cut it, end up costing them the game. Coming up next here, what team has the best chance to stop the Kansas City Chiefs from a three-peat?